Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. Well, I want to ask you if you would to take your Bibles today and open them with me to Luke chapter 5 for our time together in God's Word this morning. In Luke chapter 5, uh, we see a story of Jesus and his interaction with the Apostle Peter that is not new to most of us. Um, but I believe it's a timely message that we need to hear today. We are in this series called Who's Your One? And today, we are specifically focusing on the fact that as a believer in Jesus Christ, we have one mission we have one clear, defined mission that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us directly. And we see that clearly in the context of Luke chapter 5, even as Jesus gave this very mission also to the apostle Peter. Well, before we get into our text this morning, I want to start off with, uh, with honestly, just a, a moment of confession, if you will. Uh, a moment of confession, something about me that you may not know uh, or may not even care to know, but something that I think illustrates well uh, a point of, tr of truth that the Lord is presenting to us in Luke chapter 5. Well, the confession for me this morning to share with you is that, uh, believe it or not, uh, I am not a very good swimmer. I'm not a good swimmer. In fact, my family right now is probably in their own living room, and they're saying, what, Dad can actually swim? Because I'm not a good swimmer. In fact, uh, for much of my childhood growing up, um, I was very much embarrassed by that fact. In fact, most of my childhood, I didn't know how to swim at all. Truth is, it really wasn't that big of a deal in my childhood. I grew up uh, throughout the summertime as a kid going to, to church camp, and when we went to church camp, there was a large swimming pool. But even at church camp, going to that swimming pool once a year, I didn't really have to know how to swim. In fact, most of the time, I would spend my time in the shallow water. And I learned how to kind of control my environment, if you will. I learned how to get my friends involved with games in the pool, and, and that would really entertain us for a while. We had a basketball goal at that swimming pool, and we could shoot basketball. I would often bring my football, and we invented our own game of tackle football in the shallow end of a large swimming pool. So it really wasn't that big of a deal. But as I got a little older into fifth grade and sixth grade and the seventh grade, frankly, I became very embarrassed that I couldn't swim. I'd never had swimming lessons. I'd never been taught how to swim. And, and as I began to hang out with my friends, as we began to get older, I quickly began to realize that if I don't get their attention, then I'm going to miss out on a lot of fun that's happening in the deep end of the pool. And so as I got older, I'd go to swimming parties occasionally, and we'd be invited to some event. And, and I always found ways to get people to hang out in the shallow end of the pool. All the while, what I was really doing was I was hiding the fact that I couldn't swim, and I was embarrassed about it. Well, that all came to a quick, sudden change, but in the summer of 1994, between my seventh and eighth grade year of school, I had had a JV basketball practice. We were having practice every day on this specific week. It was the summertime in Alabama. It was really hot, and our basketball coach that year had planned something as a surprise to all of the team. After our final practice of this specific week, he announced to everyone that we were going to one of the boys' houses for a surprise swimming party. In fact, he told us that our parents were in on it. 
Our parents had already gathered our swimming trunks and our towels and the food, and we were going to have a big celebration after all the hard work we had put in that week. While that would be exciting to most kids, frankly to me, it was terrifying. How was I going to continue to hide and cover up the fact that I couldn't swim when I'm in a smaller pool at someone's house? What was I going to do? And so I began to think through it all, and we got to my buddy's house in Pike Road, Alabama, and, and I did what every good middle school age boy will do. I was a really good trash talker. I knew how to get my friends involved as I challenged their manhood, if you will. And so we began to have games in the shallow end of the pool, and that worked for about 45 minutes or so. Then we took a break, and we had pizza, and we had food, and all kinds of, you know, you can picture the scene as that celebration occurred. When the celebration of the time of the food began to come to an end, I walked outside to go back to the pool, but because of the way this pool was designed, I happened to be in that moment standing right next to the deep end of the pool. What happened next, I didn't see coming. I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't looking for it. It wasn't anticipated in any way, shape, or form. But as I walked around the deep end of that pool, from out of nowhere, someone plowed me in the back. I mean, literally, I went flying into the deep end of the pool. So picture this. Here I am, almost an eighth grader, and I'm in the deep end of the pool, and I'm swatting, and I'm doing everything I can to try to keep my head above water. I'm doing everything I can to try to get enough oxygen, and, and frankly, I'm panicking. I'm panicking because I'm taking in water. I'm panicking because I'm having a hard time breathing. I'm panicking because I don't know how to keep myself above water in the deep end of the pool. Well, I'll never forget in that moment, it seems like out of nowhere, there was a hand that was extended. And I grabbed it and that hand pulled me to the side of the pool where I could hold on and catch my breath. When I finally gained my composure, I opened my eyes and looked up and realized that I was looking in the face of my basketball coach. Little did I know that the very person that had plowed me from behind was my basketball coach. Now today, we call that, at least in that day, we called it fun, but today, we call that abuse. <laughs> the truth of the matter is that it was an uncomfortable situation, but I'll never forget what happened next. My basketball coach jumped down into the pool, and he got close to whisper to me, and unshockingly to him, he looked at me, and he said, Matt, do you know how to swim? He knew by my silence and, frankly, probably by the ashamed look on my face that I didn't know how to swim. And he looked at me, and he said, Matt, if you will trust me, I will not get out of this pool today until you know how to swim. And so that day on Wallahatchie Road in Pike Road, Alabama, as an almost eighth grade student, I finally learned how to swim. Now, I'm still not a great swimmer. You won't find me swimming laps in any of the local pools. In fact, my kids can swim circles around me. In fact, my kids have often told me that when I swim, I look more like a redneck trying not to drown. But that day I did learn how to swim. You could say in some ways that that experience of being thrust into the deep that day, even though it's not what I wanted, in some ways, it was a life-changing experience because from it, I learned something that I wouldn't have learned probably otherwise. The truth is this morning is that I believe in a very similar way. We today are living in a place where, frankly, we're in the deep waters of life, so to speak. 
And frankly, we've been thrust into it unexpectedly. We weren't anticipating it. And for some of us, we're literally uh, struggling and we're trying to keep our head above water. We're trying to get enough oxygen. But what I want us to see this morning is this. In the deep waters of life, if we will trust God and look to him, God will do some things in us and through us and for us that otherwise would have never been accomplished if we had stayed at ease in the shallow waters of life. What I want you to see this morning is this simple reality. It is in the deep waters of life that the Lord Jesus Christ clarifies who he is and our relationship to him. And it is in the deep waters of life that we also experience the confirmation of his calling. It's in these deep waters that the Lord clarifies our relationship with him and he confirms the callings that he has for us. Luke chapter five, I want you to look with me at this passage of scripture as we're reminded of the importance of the mission that the Lord has called us to. It's in the deep waters that the Lord confirms the calling and the mission of Peter and the others. Listen to what the Bible says. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him, that is Jesus, and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and they were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon Peter's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down, and he began teaching the people from the boat. Listen to this statement. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, We worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Jesus said to them, listen to what he said to Simon. Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. When they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. In our time together, I want to preach to you on the subject, one mission. My prayer today is that through studying this pastor's scripture, God will do in our hearts and lives what he did in the heart and life of the man that we know today as Simon Peter. That the Lord will clarify our relationship with him and he will confirm for us the calling that he has in our life. From Luke chapter 5, I want you to make three observations with me that I believe God can use to encourage us and to strengthen us, to challenge us, and even to change us this morning. Three things. Number one, I want you to see this morning the priority of Jesus. The priority of Jesus. As we open Luke chapter 5, we see the story as Jesus is approaching, it seems even suddenly, without any kind of introduction, the lake of Gennesaret. Now in this moment, we're reminded that Jesus, his ministry, his teaching, uh, all these things were already beginning to expand. He was already now a person of influence. Uh, People were already hearing of his teaching, that he was teaching as one who had authority. 
People were already hearing about the miracles that Jesus had performed, that, that the lame were, were literally being able to walk, that the, that the dead were being raised to life, that the blind were being, uh, receiving sight. And so Jesus' influence began to expand incredibly. And so as Jesus is there at the lake of Gennesaret, guess what happens? The Bible says a crowd gathers together. And not only did they gather together, the text says they began to press against him. Now, this is not a pressure of force. It just simply means the crowd is so crowded that Jesus didn't have much space. In other words, they knew nothing of what we're learning today of this thing called social distancing. They were all up in each other's business, okay? The people are all pressing together because they're wanting to see Jesus. They're wanting to hear Jesus. They're perhaps wanting to be ministered to by Jesus. So when we start the pastor scripture, it would seem that the key thing here is on the crowd. What is Jesus saying to the crowd? How was Jesus ministering to the crowd? What, what was the message and what were the lessons that he was preaching? In fact, this is the very first time in the Gospel of Luke that, that Luke even mentions a crowd being gathered together. So there's significance there. But then shockingly to us, it seems all of a sudden in Luke chapter 5, the crowd gathers, Jesus gets into the boat, and then Jesus calls for Peter to, to put out a little under the shallow water, and then suddenly, as soon as he does this, the message ends. As soon as he does this, the sermon, the lesson is over, and people begin to go away, and, and I'm sitting there in that moment, and, I, and I'm wondering, Jesus, what's going on? Don't, don't let the crowd go. Think of what you can do with so many followers. If all those people were to believe in you, Jesus, you got to keep their attention. Keep them here. But Jesus seemed completely content completely content to let the crowd go back home. Why? Because Jesus' priority right there in this moment was to minister to the one, to minister to the one. In the midst of all that he was saying to the crowd, what Jesus was most concerned about is the message that he would reveal to the one named Simon Peter. Truth be told this morning, so it is with us today, that many are wondering right now, what is God saying to the world through this pandemic? Many are wondering, what is God saying to our country through this pandemic? But the simple reality is, is what Jesus is most concerned about is what he's saying to you. Yes, it's important to consider what is God saying in the grand scheme of the world, but right now what I believe God is calling us to focus on is on what he's saying to each of us individually. The fact is God is speaking. The question is, are we listening? And how are we responding to the things that he is putting on our hearts today? The fact of the matter is, is through this pandemic, God is revealing se several things to us about our lives. He's revealing several things to us about our priorities and the things we value. He's revealing several things to us about the way we spend our time, about the way that we give of our resources. He's revealing several things to us about our fear and whether we're living by fear or by faith. There's much that God is saying. The question is, are we listening. This moment, Jesus is content to dismiss the crowd because he wants to focus in on the apostle Peter that we'll later know him as. He wants to focus in on what he's doing here in this moment, which brings me to the second thing, and that is the plan of Jesus. The plan of Jesus. When we're reading the pastor's scripture, it seems that Jesus suddenly appeared at the lake of Gennesaret, that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, that's where Jesus just happened to be. But please understand Jesus always has a plan. You may not see it. You may not feel it. 
You oftentimes will not understand it, but he always has a plan. It was no accident that he approached the lake of Gennesaret. It was no accident that Simon Peter was there. It was no accident that the boat he got into was the one owned by Simon Peter. It was all for a specific plan that the Lord had for Simon Peter's life. Jesus had a greater plan for Peter's life than he could see in that moment. And we see that unfold really in a progression of several things. And I want you to kind of mark them down with me and and identify them in the text this morning. The first thing I want you to see under the plan of the Lord is the direction of Christ, the direction of Christ. So picture the scene, Jesus gets into the boat, Peter and the others are over there, they're washing their nets, they're mending their nets, They've, they've fished all night long, they haven't caught a single thing. He's discouraged, he's frustrated, no doubt he's tired. Jesus gets into the boat and he says, Peter, now put out a little bit from the land. I I need a place. I need a a platform, if you will, to speak to the crowd that continues to grow. And Jesus gets into the boat, of course. Peter does this. He uses the boat as a pulpit, as a platform to minister or to share the truth. And he finishes the message. I imagine in this moment that Peter's in a place where, frankly, he's kind of content Peter is in this moment, frankly, still in the shallow waters. The message comes to an end. The people begin to go home. And and in this moment, Peter experienced something in the shallow waters that I believe you and I experience in the shallow waters of life. When life is kind of easy, in the shallow waters where it's not very choppy, in the shallow waters where where there's, there's much more prediction of what's going on, we like to be content there. But there's a problem with the shallow waters. The the first problem with the shallow waters is that it gives us the false perception that we are in control. Picture this scene with me for a moment. I I imagine as Jesus asked for Peter to put out a little bit of the shallow waters, you know, Peter, he was tired. He wanted to go back home, but he was willing to do this. So he puts out into the shallow water. This wasn't his plan. It wasn't what he wanted. But, hey, there's worse things in life. After all, he is chauffeuring Jesus in the boat. After all, he concludes in his mind probably that Jesus can't talk forever. He's going to get tired. The people, they can't stand forever. They're going to get tired and they're going to get hungry and eventually they're going to have to go home. In other words, Peter was content to do this in the moment because he still somewhat had control. The fact of the matter is when life is grand and good and glorious, when things are easy, we often have the same. We have the false perception that we are in control. Fact is is that I liked the shallow water when I was that child because I felt like I was in control. But the truth is, even in the shallow waters, I really didn't have control at all. A buddy could come and mess with me and I could fall. I could be walking myself in the shallow waters and I could slip and I could fall. I didn't really have control. And when we're in the easy waters, the shallow waters of life, we don't have control. Reminded in this context, it is often this false perception of control that the enemy uses. He uses that lie to keep us stagnant so that we never experience what happens when we really depend on the Lord. Many of us prefer those easy waters because of the false perception that we're in control. But the second thing I think about that is I think about the the comfort that Peter must have had. Peter was exhausted Peter has worked all night long. He's gone from place to place, rowing, throwing out the net, bringing it back in, going to another place, throwing out the net. Bring he is exhausted. No, this wasn't what he planned, but at least in pushing the boat out a little from the land, he could sit back and he could chill and let Jesus do his thing. But the problem with areas of comfort is this. Our comfort often leaves us 
in a major dilemma called complacency, where we don't want to go further. We don't want to be asked to do something else. And yet it's in that very discomfort, this place of complacency, that Jesus speaks very loud and clear to direct Peter and I believe us. Here's what Jesus says. Once the crowd leaves, he says, Peter, put out into the deep. I know it's comfortable in the shallow water. I know you think it's predictable in the shallow water. I know it's a little easier and it's not as choppy and it's not as uncertain. But Peter, I have a greater purpose for you. And Peter, I have a plan for you. I'm in control here. Put out into the deep. We see the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus was calling Peter to something greater than he could ever imagine, something that was eternal and would far outlast his earthly life. For far too many of us, we instead choose to live in the shallow waters of life when God is calling us out into the deep. Please don't ever miss this reality that God wants to do in us, through us, and for us things that we will never accomplish or never experience if we stay at ease in the shallow waters of life. So in God's grace and his mercy and his kindness, he calls us out of the shallow and into the deep. Question for us is why should that surprise us? Why should we be unwilling to give up our comforts and to give up our control? Why should we be willing to to give it all up? And I would suggest to us this morning this reality. If Jesus himself would leave the very comforts of heaven, if Jesus would leave the comforts of heaven and come to this fallen world and go all the way to the cross where he would literally give his life for the sins of the world, then why should I be willing to give anything less for Jesus if he is truly my Lord and Savior? Why should I not be willing to let go of my comforts and to yield my control when I recognize that Jesus is the Lord of all and he willingly gave his all for me? Jesus is calling Peter to put out into the deep and he's calling us to do the same. That's the direction of Christ. But then secondly, I want you to consider in this the demand of Christ. The demand of Christ. See, in this pastor scripture, Jesus' direction was loud and clear. Peter, put out into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. The instruction was very simple, but the response wasn't so simple. It demanded something very specific of Peter. So, see, Peter had fished all night and had caught nothing. But not only that, it was a common understood knowledge in that day that at the Lake of Gennesaret, when you fish, the most effective way to fish was to fish at night in the shallow waters. Here's Jesus in this moment, middle of the day, most likely very hot, and he's saying, now Peter, go out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. In other words, what we're seeing is is that the Lord's command and instruction defied Peter's common sense. Peter's logic, his understanding, his experience, nothing prepared him for the command that Jesus was giving him in this moment. In other words, the first thing that the Lord's instruction demanded of him is that it demanded faith. Peter was in what Henry Blackerby would call a crisis of belief. He's in a moment where he's literally having to process and and, and respond and discern, determine, do I believe Jesus or not? Do I believe that he has authority or not? See, see, what's happening here is that the Lord is demanding of him that he would have faith. What could Jesus possibly know about fishing? 
He was a carpenter. Peter was the expert here. Peter was a scholar here. Peter, if you want to catch fish, go out into the deep water. Let down your nets for a catch. In other words, the Lord's commands seem ridiculous. And the truth of the matter is sometimes in our own logic, and our own understanding, the things that are going on don't make sense to us. Sometimes when we go through circumstances and adversities, when we go through sickness and trial, sometimes when we go through things, we can't see the big picture. We don't know what the Lord has in store. We don't know how he's working it together for his glory. And we're in those moments where it's hard for us to figure it all out. But I want to remind us this morning from Isaiah 55 verse 8, the Bible says, God speaks and says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, just because you can't see what God is doing doesn't mean that he is no longer God, that he is no longer in control, or that he is no longer working. He is God, and we are not. He does not owe us an explanation, and we may not see until eternity all that God's been doing, but we can rest assured that he's in control. We can rest assured that he is at work, and we can rest assured that he will bring glory to himself through all these things. The question is, do we believe? It demands great faith. Jesus gives this instruction, go out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch, and Peter responds, and he says, Master, Oh, he said, Jesus, you're the Lord, you're the ruler here. And yet, whether or not Jesus was truly the master was not seen by his proclamation or his profession, his claim. It would be seen by what he did in this moment. Demanded great faith, but secondly, I would suggest to us this morning, it also demanded great surrender. It was gonna cost him something. Yes, it was gonna cost his time. Yes, it was going to cost him some energy as he would give his effort. Yes, there was a risk involved. It was another risk of failure. Remember, he had just failed miserably the night before, had not caught a single thing. And yes, the Lord Jesus has given this instruction, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. It was going to demand faith, and it was going to demand complete and total surrender. Peter was going to have to be in this moment where literally he had to let go of his past failures, he had to let go of his present fears, and he had to get those things out of the way for the moment so that he could surrender and say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say to you this morning as you're watching right now from your house or wherever you're at, don't let the failures of yesterday or the fears of today hinder what God wants to do through you for the rest of your days. Don't let the failures of yesterday or the fears of today hinder what God is wanting to do through you for the rest of your days. The enemy has a powerful way of allowing our failures to constantly bring shame and constantly bring doubt and constantly bring insecurity, but the Lord Jesus came to overcome those things. The enemy has a powerful way of causing us to have fear and causing us to to, to shrink back from our responsibility and our calling. The enemy has a powerful way. But I remind you this morning, the Bible says we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. Here in this moment, we're reminded that Jesus meets us. Remember, he didn't reject Peter here. He came to him on purpose. We're reminded here that Jesus meets us at every failure and every fear to show us that he can give the victory. We're reminded here in this moment, literally, that he meets us at every disappointment so that we can see our need and turn to him. 
And yes, we see in this moment that he meets us at every crisis so that we can realize our need for him and come and trust his control. What God requires in every situation where he's demanding this faith and surrender is he demands a person who's willing to say yes by faith to him. I love Peter's response here in this moment. He said, Master, you hear his hesitation. We worked hard all night and caught nothing. Listen to the next statement. It is so powerful. But I will do as you say and let down the nets. It's as if he's saying, Jesus, I I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. This is so difficult. This is so heavy. It's so hard and and it's a challenge for me and I'm already exhausted and and I'm discouraged and I don't know how this is going to work out. But because it's you, Jesus, because you are the master, because you are the Lord, I'll trust you and I'll do as you say. The third thing I want you to see is not only the direction of the Lord or the demand of the Lord, but third, the demonstration of Christ. I love this. What does the Lord do when we put our faith and our focus on him? What does the Lord do when we surrender to him, even when we don't understand and we say, yes, Lord, I'm going to trust you, and yes, I'm going to obey. What does the Lord do? What happens next? It's simple. God works mightily in us and through us for his own glory. Notice what the scripture says. The Bible says they'd fished all night long and caught nothing. Now, I love to fish, but I'm not a professional fisherman. But I can tell you this. If you fished all night long and not caught a single thing, it's been a bad night of fishing, all right? It takes a lot of patience and perseverance to do that, and it takes a lot of uh, humility to admit you haven't caught a single thing. But notice what happens next. The Bible says in verse 6, when they had done this, They enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them and they came and filled both of the boats so much so that they began to sink. Picture what the Lord Jesus Christ is demonstrating in this moment. Peter had fished all night long. They hadn't caught a single thing. But at one command of Jesus, once Peter put his faith in Jesus, and once Peter came to this place of surrendering to Jesus, once he was willing to do that, immediately God was in the work. And so they went out into the deep. Again, this defied logic. They took their nets and they threw them out. Again, this defied logic. And guess what happened? The Bible says they got that net up and it was so full of fish that the nets began to break. They called for their buddies. Hey, come over here. Come over here. We've got to catch. They began to literally bring it up together. There were so many fish there that the boats began to sink. In other words, that was a good catch of fish is what's taking place. In that moment, what is happening is, is that Jesus is demonstrating who he was and is. He was not merely a carpenter. He was not simply a teacher or a rabbi or even a a master of men. No, what Jesus was demonstrating in this moment is that he was and is God in flesh. He is omnipotent. He has all power and all authority. He is the son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the long-awaited one. And it's this moment for the first time that Peter realized who Jesus was. 
There will be other times later in Matthew chapter 8 and other passages where they would realize that Jesus has the authority over the winds and over the waves. Here they would recognize Jesus has authority over creation, even such as fish. Please understand, God moves so powerfully in this moment that they couldn't contain the amount of fish. In other words, there is no limit to what God can do when we truly trust him and obey. Jesus, in the midst of their obedience, while in the deep water, demonstrated who he was. Which brings me to a fourth point about the Lord's plan. That is, we see the deliverance of Christ. Now, the scene unfolds as Peter realizes who Jesus really is. He's God in flesh, the one with all power and all authority. But he responds in a unique way, doesn't he? He doesn't respond in celebration. He doesn't respond with clapping and rejoicing, dancing and praising. Oh, wonderful, look at the catch of fish. No. Immediately upon realizing the catch of fish, he realized who Jesus really was. And in the presence of the glory of Jesus, Peter realized his own guilt. The Bible says in verse nine, verse eight rather, that when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. In other words, when Simon Peter looked into the face of Jesus, knowing now who Jesus was, Peter was overwhelmed with guilt. Peter bowed humbly before Jesus and he confessed in this moment, Lord, I am a sinner. I read this pastor's scripture and I think, Peter, who said anything about sin? What are you talking about? You're fishing. Look at the amount of fish. Look at this incredible work. Look at what's taking place. Even the boats are saying, who said anything about sin? But please understand this. In this moment, Recognizing that he was in the presence of God in flesh, in this moment, what Peter realized is this. He realized the greatness and the glory of who Jesus was, and he realized his own sin, his own doubt, his own tendency to compromise and be complacent and hang out in the shallow waters the way that he would doubt the Lord before. He realized his sin. Please understand this morning. None of us can experience all that God has intended for us until we first admit our own sin and acknowledge our complete and total dependence upon Jesus Christ as Lord. Jesus, depart from me. I am unworthy. I don't even deserve to be in your presence. Notice that Peter's experiencing this in the deep. The Bible says something interesting of what Jesus said. I love how he responded. He looked at him and he said, Peter, in verse 10, three words. Do not fear. Do not fear. I'm reminded this morning that this is a word of instruction. This is a word of encouragement that we need to heed today. The Lord is saying, do not fear. Yes, I realize that we live in a day today where frankly there is much concern and, and frankly at times even panic or even hysteria that's going across our country and across the globe. There's a lot of uncertainties, there are a lot of unknowns, but the Lord is saying, do not fear. Here in this moment, Peter's afraid because he's in the presence of the Lord. 
He knows that he deserves to be rebuked. He knows he deserves not even to be in the presence of the Lord. And yet Jesus, in his grace and in his mercy, yes, he was perfectly just to rebuke him, but he didn't do that. Instead, he said, Peter, I want you to know, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to fear. I am with you, Peter, and I've got a plan and a purpose for you. It's as if he's looking at Peter and he's saying, Peter, I didn't come to condemn you. I came to cleanse you. Peter, I didn't come to make you suffer. I came to save you. Peter, I didn't come to send you away right now. I came to draw you near. Peter, I didn't come to demean you, but to deliver you. I didn't come to prosecute you, but I came to give you purpose and to give you meaning. Peter, I didn't send you into the deep just to make you uncomfortable. I sent you into the deep to reveal who I am and who I should be in your life and what I've called you to do with this purpose in this moment. Peter, do not fear. I'm right here. Peter, don't fear. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Peter, don't fear. There's nothing you'll ever face that will kill your soul. Peter, don't be afraid. There's nothing that you ever face that I myself will not overcome. Peter, do not fear. Church, I believe what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to us loud and clear today that literally we don't have to be afraid. Yes, we should practice wisdom. Yes, we should respect our government. Yes, we should use discernment in all of our interactions. But understand, church, God has not called us to be afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of a love and of a sound mind. In fact, Romans chapter 8, verses 34 and 35, verses 37 to 39 reminds us that there is no trial, no distress, no persecution, no famine, no shame, no danger, no force at all in this world to fear. Because we are more than conquerors through the Lord Jesus Christ who loves us. We are more than conquerors through him and nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We've seen the priority of Jesus. He wasn't as concerned about the crowd in this moment as he was about the one. We've seen the plan of Jesus, that Jesus sending Peter into the deep, it was unexpected. He wasn't anticipating it, but Jesus had a purpose for it. Which brings us to this third point, and that is this. I want us to see the purpose from Jesus. All of this was leading up to this moment. All of this was leading up to what the Lord Jesus Christ was about to reveal to Simon Peter. Can I say to you this morning, even as we go through this pandemic and these crazy, uncertain times in our day, the Lord is speaking, he's working and moving, and for many of us, he's trying to reveal himself to us and to reveal his purpose for our lives in the midst of it all. Here's what Jesus said. Peter, do not fear. Here's the reason that I've sent you into the deep. Here's the reason that I've called you away from the shallows. From now on, you will catch men. In other words, Peter... Your life will forever be changed by what you've experienced here in the deep. I know you've been a fisherman for years. I know that this has been your occupation. I know this has been how you've defined yourself. And Peter, you've even been successful at it. But Peter, I have a greater purpose for your life, and that is this. From this day forward, you're called to catch men. You know, in our culture today, we often define ourselves by what we do. That's especially true of men. Most of the time when I meet a, a new gentleman or he meets me or something like that, someone will ask the question, what do you do? We define ourselves in that way. But for the believer, we're not merely defined by our occupation. No, we're defined by our mission. 
Jesus said our mission was to be fishers of men. A doctor, a nurse, a businessman, a a stay-at-home mom, a teacher, a EMT, a, a police officer, a lawyer, a banker. You might be all those things. But if you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, here is the one mission. We are called to be fishers of men. We are called to take the gospel message to our neighbor, to that throughout the city, all throughout the valley, even to the ends of the earth. This is our one mission. From now on, this would be Peter's focus and his purpose in life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I submit to you this morning that this is the same calling and the same mission for every single one of us. I've said it numerous times in recent weeks. I'll say it again. The heavens declare the glory of God and all creation declares the greatness of God, but the only ones who've been called to proclaim the gospel of God are you and I, the church, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, from this moment on, Peter's life would be radically changed. Not too long after this, of course, Jesus would die and give his life on the cross. He'd raise again from the grave, proving that he, that he is Lord. And we would later know this Simon Peter as the Apostle Peter. But this mission was defined and declared in the deep waters that day. You know, as I think about this moment in Luke chapter 5, I often also think about this moment in our lives, in our country, in our homes. This truth of the Lord calling us out of the shallow into the deep so that he can reveal his purposes and his mission for our lives, it causes me to ask you three questions of examination this morning. Three questions I want to consider for you to consider and, and ask and answer in your home right now. The first question is simple. Is Jesus the captain of your boat? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Now, now Peter said, master, he said the right thing, but whether or not Jesus was truly the master of his life will be demonstrated by the actions that followed. Is Jesus the Lord of your life, the captain of your boat? This morning, if, if he's not, I invite you right now in your living room. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of Jesus as Lord will be saved, will be rescued. Right now in the privacy of your home, if you're not sure that Jesus is your Lord, right now you can pray and confess to God, God, I know that I am a sinner. Like Peter, I know that I'm a sinner and I don't deserve your grace. But God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose again. And so today I invite Jesus to be the Lord of my life, the captain of my boat from this day forward. Right now, would you pray that prayer? Secondly, I want to ask you to consider another question. And that is this. Are you willing to go deeper with Jesus? I realize that there's a sense of concern and maybe some unknowns there. We don't know the outcome. Peter didn't know the outcome when the Lord was calling him to go out into the deep. He had to have faith. And he had to surrender his will and simply obey. Are you willing to go deeper with Jesus regardless of the cost? 
There are some of us today that God is convicting to surrender to him. Things we've been struggling with, things we've been battling with, things that frankly seem like too high a cost to pay. Are you willing to go deeper with the Lord Jesus Christ? This morning, if there's anything that's hindering you, if all these things coming to a stop, all the sports and all the different challenges and all the different things, if God has been showing you in this process what you've been valuing over him, now's a good time to surrender it and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be first place and I'm willing to follow wherever you'd lead me. I'm willing to go deeper with you. And finally, it was in the deep that the Lord confirmed the purpose and the mission for Simon Peter. But you know, as Christians, we've known this mission for a long time. We know that the Lord called us to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. We know that the Lord called us to go throughout all creation and to preach the good news of Jesus. But I have to confess, I think there are many of us right now that are realizing we haven't really been faithful in that mission. And this morning, I would ask you right now in the privacy of your home, would you pray and say, God, forgive me for my sin of silence. And would you commit to the Lord from this day forward by his grace and with his help that you will be a faithful messenger for him? Frankly, I don't know of a day in my life where it's been a greater need than it is right now. There are people in our country, people in our neighborhoods, people right next to us who are afraid and concerned. There are people questioning about life and, and the quality of their life and they're thinking about the mortality and they're thinking about eternity and they're wondering, is this the end of the world? What's happening? There's never been a more vital moment for us to fulfill the mission of being a fisher of men. Right there in your living room, right now, would you just close your eyes and focus on the Lord and whatever God is calling you to do, would you surrender by faith and say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.